praying people grow and growing people pray. It's a principle we need to learn and commit not only to our minds but to our lives. So be in an intentional habit of prayer. Now we're all gathered in this place together this morning and that should remind us that you can't do life alone. You can't do life alone. You can't do life by yourself. Well, you can do. Remember we said you can do life alone, but it's like brushing your teeth with gasoline. And you can do it, but it's not pretty. The results are not good. Um, we choose as Christians to do life in community because Christ calls us not just into individual salvation, not just to salvation for us individually, but salvation for us corporately. We are to be one body in Christ. So you can't do life alone. Incredible principle for our life and our faith. Now, what does that look like? Well, for some of us, that means that we get into small groups or we get into life groups or Sunday school classes. That's one way that you can do life with other people. Another way that you can do life with people is by doing really cool stuff like going to the Sand Nats game this Friday night, Friday the 13th. Uh, what a great way to celebrate a terrible day. Uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th, it's going to be a great time to go out and hang out with other people who are pursuing Christ just like you're pursuing Christ. I want to encourage you to take that Friday night, take this Friday night to be an opportunity to connect with other people, with other faithful followers of Jesus Christ. It's an important thing. It's an important thing for us to do as Christians. All right, we got one more principle, and it was from two weeks ago, and that is that blessed people... Blessed people, bless people. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Because the, the average amount of retention from a sermon is about 4% on a good day. And you guys are just killing it. You guys have got this. Blessed people, bless people. Not only with tithes and offerings that are giving, given to the church so that mission and ministry can carry on, but also by sharing our talents and our abilities and our knowledge with others. Um, blessing other people is about more than just writing a check. It's about more than putting money in an offering plate. Blessing people has to do with your unique wiring as a follower of Jesus Christ. You have gifts and talents and abilities that no one else in this church, I would, I would even dare to say no one else in this world has. And so you are called to share that blessing, that gift with others. Bless people, bless people. Are you ready for the fifth principle? Last principle. You don't look ready, you guys. Again, you're with the disciples. You weren't ready. You weren't ready, but that's okay. Fifth principle in living the five goes like this. Found people, find people. All right, we're going to say it together like we have every week. Found people, found people, find people. Very good. Found people, Find people. That means that as Christians, we are called to constantly be extending the borders of God's kingdom, constantly reaching out to others. Because found people, if you're in this space and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a found person. You are in relationship with God. And part of what it means to be a Christian is not just storing that treasure up inside, but letting your light shine among others so that they might see your Father's glory. This is, this is what it means to be a Christian. At the very core of who we are, we are about reaching out to others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's incredible to think that God would give us such an incredible task, such an incredible opportunity, such an incredible mission. Found people, find people. You and I are sent out in the name of Jesus Christ to share the gospel 
with the world around us. Now, today, is, as I've said several times this morning, is a very special day in the life of the church. It's the day of Pentecost, the day that the church was born because the Holy Spirit blew on this group of 11 disciples and some other followers, and they began to teach and preach. And so what I want you to do is hear the section of Scripture that's associated with today. It's from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. So at this point, smartphones out, Bibles open uh, to Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And we're just going to go straight through this text this morning. And then we're going to talk about how this text applies to found people finding people. Are we okay with that? So Acts 2, chapter 1, excuse me, Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, heading to verse 21. When the day of Pentecost came, Luke writes, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And Arabs, uh, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, in our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And if you have your Bible in front of you and a pen or a pencil or marker, crayon or a highlighter, you need to highlight this last verse. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the day of Pentecost. The day when God poured out his spirit on us. 
on his disciples and sent them out so that others might call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Not in some kind of uh, spirit of dominion or spirit of power, but sent out to the world with love. Sent out to the world with grace. Sent out to the world with hope. Sent out into the world with peace. I want to ask you this morning, um, how did you get here? How did you get here this morning? Some of you are like, well, I rode in a car. And others you're like, well, I, we got an SUV. Um, a couple of you are like, I rode my bike or I walked from campus. Um, you got to this place this morning in all sorts of different ways. But you're all here um, and I'm not really asking what mode of transportation that you took that got you here today. What actually got you here? Why is it that you got out of bed this morning when you could otherwise be sleeping? What is it that, that stirred within you that said, I need to go um, to a, a, a big gray box um, where there's lights and projectors and a band, um, and I, I need to sit down with these people and, and hear from the Bible? What, brought, what, what, keep, what got you here? What keeps you what keeps you here? My guess is two things. One of two things happened to you that brought you here, that got you here. Either someone invited you to come to Pittman Park. That might have been your parent if you've been in the church your whole life. It might have been your friend. Someone invited you to come and be a part of church, to come and experience this worship service. Someone invited you to come and be here. Or you showed up on your own. You showed up on your own and someone welcomed you and made it okay, made you feel like it was okay for you to stay here. One of those two things happened. Someone invited you or someone welcomed you. In either case, whether the person who invited you or who welcomed you knew it, they were living the five. They were exercising this principle that found people find people because they invited you and they welcomed you into this space. And now you're a part of this community called Pittman Park and you're living out the gospel uh, together as one community, one body in Christ. That's an incredible thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a miraculous thing. That anyone would invite anyone else to come to church. That anyone would invite anyone else to come to this space. That anyone would welcome a stranger in. Do you know how great a miracle? That doesn't happen. In, the only place that that happens is like Chick-fil-A in our world, right? How do you feel when you walk into Chick-fil-A? Great, right? Everybody's like, good to see you. Glad you're here. Your friend might have said, let's go to Chick-fil-A. The only other place that does that is like Moe's. And they don't really mean it, right? You walk in the door at Moe's, and they just yell, welcome, at Mo, welcome to Moe's, and you're like, ah. Um, someone invited you to Pittman Park. Someone invited you to this church, or someone welcomed you when you found your way here. And that's why you're here this morning. Whenever you do that, whenever you invite, and whenever you welcome, you are living the five. You're practicing this principle that found people find people. The problem is, we have these church words that have messed up our inviting and our welcoming. We have this word, and I'm going to say it, and it's going to scare us all. Are you ready? Evangelism. Have you heard that word before? Evangelism. Now, growing up in the church, when anyone said the word evangelism, what I imagined was me holding a stack of flyers, going door to door through the neighborhood, 
knocking on people's doors that I didn't know to say, I think you should come to church with me, and then quickly running away. Is that the image you get in your mind? Maybe it's not. Maybe you're thinking, you're thinking of door hangers or you're thinking of um, walking down downtown Statesboro and just inviting random people to come. Maybe that's the, the image you have inside of your mind. We, we have this word evangelism, and it's a great word. It's a great theological word, but it's messed us up because we started overthinking what it means for found people to find people. We think it's some highfalutin theological... Let me show you. How about that? Let me show you instead of telling you. This is how we mess up evangelism. Can you show that clip for us? All right. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard, but we overthink it. Here's the first rule for uh, sharing your faith with someone else. And when I say sharing your faith, I just mean inviting someone to church. First rule, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. 
Don't overthink it. This is not some deep theological exercise inviting someone to come to worship with you, to come to a Bible study with you, to come, maybe that's too deep for you, to come to a church cookout, to come to the church-wide picnic, to come to vacation Bible school. These are not deep thinking things. Just say, hey, I know you've got two kids and, and they look like they're in elementary school. You think they would enjoy coming to our vacation Bible school? It starts Sunday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Would you like to come and be a part of that too? We can go out to dinner while, while they have a good time at VBS. That's a simple invitation. A found person finding someone and saying, Hey, I think you need to meet the Savior I know without ever saying those words. Just by saying, Hey, you're like me. We're, we're similar. I've been through some stuff. Looks like you've been through some stuff. Why don't you come and go with me to worship or to a Bible study or to a small group, to a life group? The first rule for found people, finding people, is don't overthink it. This is not that hard. All right. The second rule uh, for found people, finding people, is speak the language of the people that you're trying to invite. Now, everyone sitting here is like, well, I speak English. It may be my second language, but I speak English, and English is the language that everybody around here seems to speak. What do you mean speak the language of the people uh, that you're trying to invite, that you're reaching out to? What I mean is some of you speak a third language if you already speak two. Some of you um, speak travel softball. You speak travel softball, and so you know the language of the travel softball moms and dads. You know what the deal is with those people and how to interact and communicate with them. Speak their language. Speak their language. Don't overthink it. Speak their language. Meet people where they are in their life. Some of you, uh, some of you speak uh, soccer. I, I grew up in a family where we played soccer, and so uh, we spoke travel soccer for a little while. That's what my family did, and so my mom and dad would invite people to church through our soccer games, which is a random thing when you think about it, because we even played soccer on Sunday sometimes. Some of you speak business language. You speak stocks and bonds and business transactions. Some of you speak medicine. Some of you speak, I don't know, hula hooping. Some of you speak dog breeding and I don't know. We all have all sorts of languages and ways to communicate with people that we might not have even thought of. Remember what the key is on the day of Pentecost. It's not that the miracle on Pentecost is not that all the disciples learned a new language. The miracle is that the people around them heard. They heard the disciples speaking and understood what they were saying. For some people, the only way they will ever hear your invitation to come and meet Jesus Christ, come and be a part of the church, is by speaking travel softball language or business language. They'll never engage you if you try and speak highfalutin theological language. You don't need that. You just need a simple invitation. Hey, hey, you want to come and go to church with me? I love that last scene where the guy on the cell phone just looks at him and says, you want to go to church on Sunday? We'll pick you up. And the guy that three different people have been trying to invite says, yeah, yeah. Don't overthink it and speak the language of the people around you. Speak the language of the people that you interact with every day. It's a beautiful thing about the day of Pentecost.
Third rule, are you ready? Third rule for found people finding people is share your story. Share your story. I told you um, that earlier today that everyone has been invited or welcomed. That's how you stuck here. You were either invited to Pittman Park or you were welcomed in when you got here at Pittman Park. And that caused you to stick and to stay. And that's something that we share in common. There's one other thing that we share in common. And that is that every single one of us sitting in this room has a story. We all have a story. Your life is a story. And if you will look back over the course of your life, you will see that God has intervened in some incredible ways and in some amazing places in your life and amazing points in your life. If you look back over the course of your life, you will notice that you have a story. But our first instinct when we talk about sharing our story is to say, share your testimony. And there's another big theological word that scares people to death, right? When I say, hey, Tommy, I want you to share your, t- share your testimony. Tommy will first think he wants me to stand on stage with a microphone in front of 100 people and tell everybody about how I came to faith in Jesus Christ and you know, how bad I was before and how good I am now. No. We don't just need to share our story in this community. We need to be sharing our story all the time. We need to be sharing our story at work sharing our story at the ball field where we're speaking the language of other people, sharing our story at gymnastics practice. That's where my family's at right now. We're doing gymnastics practice. Sharing your story wherever you have the opportunity. And I'm not talking about sharing a 30-minute thing. In business, there's this principle that you develop a pitch. If you're going to, sh- to sell an idea to a company and try and get funding for an idea that you have for business, you develop a pitch. And the very best pitch people develop something called an elevator pitch. Do you know what that is? It's a 30-second pitch of an idea. It's a 30-second way to communicate an idea or a story with the people they happen to be riding in the elevator with because that might be the opportunity that you have to get your project or your idea sold. We need to be doing the same thing with our faith, with our story. You need to know your story, how God intervened in your life and brought you to full salvation. You need to know that story so that you can share that story because the only way found people find people is by not overthinking it, by speaking the language of the people they're interacting with and by sharing the story of what God has done. Again, What got you out of bed and brought you back is that someone invited you and welcomed you and you felt connected to God when you got here. God's story intersected your story. And that's why you're here today. My prayer for us is that we might be like those first disciples. Though we're huddled in a room, somewhat scared, somewhat unprepared that the spirit of God might move among us so that we would be sent out from this place to find people who need to know the grace and the hope and the love and the peace that we know through Jesus Christ that we've received through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave found people find people And it's not hard. 
Just look around. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, send your spirit like fire among us. That we might be strengthened for the work of sharing your love, sharing your hope with the world. Send your spirit that we might be completed, that we might be empowered, that we might truly be your faithful followers. God, help us to again lift our hearts in praise and worship to you, not just in these next few moments, but throughout the rest of our week. Help us to live the five that the world might know and see the hope that we have in you. So we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this morning?